Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. We are glad that you picked this episode and this podcast to listen to and help you in your journey of leading in student ministry. Uh, we do this for you, student ministry leader. So we would love to hear from you and uh, topics that you would love for us to talk about, how you think the podcast is doing. We read all of the ratings and reviews. Well, we don't really read a rating. It's just stars. We look at that. We read the reviews and we actually make changes to the podcast based on feedback because again, we do this for you. So if you could take 30 seconds to leave the rating and review, that would sure be appreciated. It also helps other people find the podcast as they search. I'm your host, Ben Trueblood. Today, alongside the ever faithful and always here, Mr. Producer Nathan. What's up? How's it going? It's good, man. Uh, you you doing well? Yeah, I'm doing good. Good Mid- camp travel still happening for you. Yes, I uh, just got off the road last weekend. May or may not have one more coming up. We'll see. Okay. So, so the may or may not, does that mean like if there's a problem, then it's May? Or yeah. if... <laughs> yes, that's, yeah, that's what that means. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, so, we'll hope may not then so right, that there's right. no that there's no problem. Uh, we are super excited about our guest today. Uh, friend, personally, and friend of Lifeway students. Uh, Jason Mick serves as the next-gen pastor at Preston Wood Baptist Church in North Dallas. He's been a pastor in student ministry for 16 years, has a passion for Jesus, proclaiming the gospel and raising up servant leaders. Jason and his wife, Aaron, have four kids and love investing in the next generation. Now, I know that like that says that on a bio thing that we read, but uh, I know Jason and investing in the next generation is not just a phrase that's on a website like Jason, that's you. I have seen that in you over and over and over. Uh, Jason, welcome to the podcast. We're we're glad to have you, man. Guys, thanks for having me, man. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> that's that's right. Oh, I love it, man. Have you guys? Uh, have you you've already had camp at this point in your summer? Correct. Yeah, just a couple weeks ago. Phenomenal, uh, man. We saw over two hundred decisions, and that's from salvation and repentance. Uh, students who said, "I need to be baptized." and publicly professed Jesus in front of my peers in the world. Students who said, awesome, God's, man. God's put a unique calling on my life. And uh, we got to celebrate 125 baptisms uh, that week. And one of the coolest stories is as we're having our baptism service is there was a gentleman, Craig, about 100 yards away on the dock fishing with his wife, and he watched what was going on. Uh-huh. And he walked over and he began talking with some of us, uh, of his pastors. And all of a sudden we started having a conversation with him. He said, I believed as a small child, but I was baptized before I was saved. And through that wow. discussion, we said, man, hey, you are saved. And he goes, I want to be baptized right now. And so we got to baptize Craig right there in the ocean at beach camp. I love it. Put the fishing pole down and and just get baptized. There's something incredible. super biblical about that picture, right? It was incredible. <laughs> it was such a moment. That's awesome, dude. So let me ask you this. This is not the topic of yeah. our conversation today, but you do baptisms at camp. Um, so I would love to hear, because this is a question in student ministry. Do I do baptisms at camp? Do I wait and do them back home? Like, how do we handle, how do we handle that? What are some of the things that you do, uh, to help families connect with that moment when not all the families might be there for their students' baptisms? Cause I think that's an important thing for people to think through. That, that is a great question. I think there's a healthy tension there too, by the way. I think so if anybody's wrestling with that, I think it's a good thing. 
Yeah. Like, I think at the end of the day, you're trying to honor the Lord, you're trying to honor the parents and honor the the sanctity and the the uh, the holiness of that moment. So I think one of the things that we do is we're upfront in our communications with our parents. So even on the registration, we even provide that as an option. Would you allow your student to be baptized at beach camp? So we even know yeah. that going in. And then while we're in our parent meetings, we make sure that we fully communicate. What is what does that even look like? And then we provide a live stream of the baptism service. And we have a camera that's on each baptizing, uh, baptizing team. And we also try to put a photographer on each baptism team. That way we can capture the video, capture the pictures. Parents can tune in live. And I would say throughout the week, we'll do an invitation every night at camp. And so our team, uh, both staff and some of our condo leaders, are very fervent when it comes to follow-up. We want to make sure yeah. that we're talking with parents, we're talking with leaders, we're re, uh, you know, affirming with that student. Hey, do you understand what this is, what this means, why we're doing this? So that in the moment, it's 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 more real than it is emotional. Um, and then again, we, we do have students who say, hey, my parents or myself, we would wait to, till we get back to church. And so we yeah. try to set that up. We had a, a couple of students the, the Sunday after beach camp get baptized. Uh, so... Awesome. Certainly, we'd love to do it then, but it's a, it's certainly okay if we if we wait to get back. Yeah, well, man, I love the intentionality of the whole process. Hey, we're going to put this on the registration form. We're going to put it in front of parents, let them make the decision. I I think that's I think that's great. So if you're listening, that was not the topic of today, but it came up. So why not just great. run with it? Uh, we do want to talk about leading leaders today. Um, I man, I've seen you uh, lead. And I've talked to a lot of your staff and, um, I, I would say this, I I've not told you this in person. Um, even though we were together just a few weeks ago, uh, man, it's been maybe a couple months ago now. Anyway, come by fast. um, I had asked a, a question about on Instagram, just done, did a poll. Hey, give me the name of some people that do a great job leading leaders. And there were a few of your staff that responded and wow. I, you know, I won't, I won't say who will leave that anonymous. Uh, but there were a few of them that reached out and, and said you, so I want to encourage you in that, that wow. this is uh that the people who you lead see you leading them well. So just to, just to encourage you, but that's the, man, that's the topic I wanted to jump into. I feel like I should go ahead and put down some just reviews from my staff and say, this person's going to get a raise and this person's going to get a raise, you know, no, but thank, thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, man. Absolutely. One of the things, um, man, volunteer leadership is always a topic of discussion. Anytime we travel, anytime we do a poll and say, Hey, what do you need to learn more about? What do you need to sharpen? The volunteer thing is always there in one yeah. form or another. And having, now spent a lot of time talking with other youth pastors through my role at Lifeway. Uh, something I felt sometimes as a youth pastor, I, I have heard other people articulate. And that is, man, sometimes it's really intimidating to lead volunteers because they are great leaders in their own right. Uh, because of the way student ministry works, Many times the student pastor, at least at the beginning of their ministry, is leading people who are 
older than them or who are a generation beyond where they are, more life experiences, more time following Jesus. A lot of times those things are true. And so it can create this intimidating environment. So that's kind of the angle that I want to approach this conversation is how to be a leader of leaders. So let's start with this one. What is one of the most important lessons you've learned about how to lead a team of leaders? You've been doing it for a while. What's one of the things that you say, man, I would tell 20 year old Jason this. First of all, I'd say, don't try to be someone you're not. Hmm. Don't think that you've got it all figured out. But I think the, the main thing that I hinge on and that I would go back and tell younger Jason is make sure that you're operating and serving out of the overflow of your relationship with Jesus. Um, that's going to take a lot of humility. Um, it's going to take a lot of genuine love and service to your leaders. Uh, and quite honestly, I, I think we, I made the statement, you know, don't pretend that you know it all. And I think great leader, le leaders know that they don't know it all, but they continue to learn. So our capacity to lead them is determined on our capacity to learn. Yeah. And so you've got to get to, to know them. I remember uh, when I was called and asked to come to Prestonwood, I was doing some back and forth between Houston and Dallas. And I asked the staff to give me just a name, a list of names and, and numbers of our leaders. I mean, I had some, I had some driving time and really, I, I just wanted to, to prioritize getting to know the people. And it was just asking mm -hmm. them questions about them, their story, their family, what they do. Um, and it, that, that, that was some of the most beautiful time uh, and some of those uh, foundational time in building those relationships is really getting to know them. And, and, um, and I think you gotta, you gotta do that from a place of authenticity. Like I said, you gotta genuinely love the people who have said, Hey, we want to come and be a part of the ministry that, that God has called us to here at this church and with you. Yeah. Um, and the other part of it too, is, uh, I know we, we use the word volunteer because they're not paid, you know, uh, they're, they're giving of themselves they're volunteering time, but in some regard, and I've heard Craig Rochelle say this when it comes to leadership, uh, I don't categorize our volunteers simply as volunteers because oftentimes you can have a volunteer and they can come take up space, but I yeah. look at them as difference makers yeah. and I, I view them as uh, stewards and really kind of an extension of our staff. And so I want to place high value in regard to them and, and say, Hey, you are a leader. You are a difference maker. And so I want you to see yourself in that role and lead out in that role. Um, and I think that's that, that's foundational. So lead from your overflow and, and value them and, and speak that identity into them. Um, I'd say confidently lead by example with with walking in the identity and the calling that Jesus has given you. I think that goes back to being genuine. I think we need to lead by example. So the things yeah. that we do, the things that we speak, we've got to be, again, walking out of that calling and our identity in Jesus I think you've also got to make sure that you don't assume that your leaders know everything. Uh, don't assume that um, they they know what you're thinking. And so make sure that you're asking the right questions. Make sure that you're equipping in specific ways. And then in those relationships, those you know, you don't just have a one-time conversation. It's continual soul care. It's continual equipping. Just make sure that you're exercising trust. You know, you got to freely give it, and you got to fight to keep it. Uh, you got to walk in humility. Um, you've got to over communicate. I think, uh, we've all learned this from time to time is that someone can tell us two or three or four times and we still, we still miss it. We still need those reminders, right? Uh, praise God for outlook and, and Google reminders and Apple <laughs> things that pop up and say, Hey, this is going on. Praise That's God right. for that. 
We just over communicate. Celebration is huge. I think you've got to celebrate the victories and those can be small, whether a student shows up for the first time, a student brings their Bible, uh, a student is asking for, for prayer outside of a Sunday morning or whatever the context might be. You want to celebrate the small and the big salvation, baptism, whatever it might be celebrated because what you celebrate gets replicated. Yeah. And then I'd say this, uh, finally here on this question is make sure that the leaders understand the mission, the vision and the culture and that everything you're doing is funneling through that. I know for us, our mission at Prestonwood is, is the Great Commission, Matthew 28. And our vision from birth all the way through adult is reach, learn, love. And so what we do is we stem everything through Prestonwood students exist to reach this generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to help them learn to grow and walk in an authentic and visible faith, and to love those around them with a biblically-based devotion to Jesus. So we're trying to teach all of that, streamline it, and we do it with excellence. We do it with celebration. We're rooted in God's word. We're passionate. We're in biblical community. We're selfless. And we try to empower our people and equip the saints for the ministry. Man, the celebration thing, I underestimated early on. But I think you're exactly right. I mean, it, it the student ministry, serving in student ministry, leading a group of 10th grade boys or whatever can be really challenging, can be difficult at times. And those celebration moments, I think often are the things that like, okay, like I can, I can do, I can keep doing this. I can keep going because there are these little moments along the way that give, that give encouragement, man. I want to ask you this. Uh, you mentioned volunteer valuing volunteers and even that word as a title. And I know a lot of churches as a whole, as a part of their mission are even moving away from using the term volunteer. You know, they'll use something else in place of that, that they feel more defines what they do in the culture. Yeah. Um, do you guys have a term that you use for your student ministry volunteers that kind of does that? I, I heard you say difference maker. Is that what you guys use or, so we, uh, our, our adult leaders who sit around a, a life group, if you will, of yeah. students, we call them life group leaders. Um, but it even kind of stems across the board. We'll have people who are, are check-in leaders. Um, now there are, we certainly use the word volunteer for certain moments yeah, and instances. Sure. We were talking about camp just a moment ago and we did check-in for beach camp and we needed volunteers to come and scan, uh, you know, temperatures of students walking in. Yep. So we, we certainly use volunteer, but more than likely not, you're going to have a, uh, a description that is, uh, predicating leader with it. So life group leader, check-in leader, uh, something of sorts. Yeah. Have you ever asked a volunteer leader that you, like you saw and you said, man, this person is an incredible leader in their life. Have you ever asked someone that you're leading for leadership advice or leadership mentoring or development in some way? Oh, I, all the time. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm constantly saying, Hey, what are you seeing? Um, yeah. How, how is this being perceived? How is this resonating? Did that connect? Uh, are we giving you, are we equipping you with the tools necessary for you to be able to lead uh, the way that we're hoping and praying and expecting? Um, so it's, it's constantly open dialogue. I think anytime that I'm taking a student, uh, leader or parent, um, I had lunch with a parent yesterday 
And the question that always comes up, is there anything that I could do to better help serve you and to equip you to do what God's called you to do? Now, it's very general, but obviously their response is going to prompt even further discussion and, and allow me to listen and discern how it is that they're receiving what we're giving and what they're perceiving. And it allows us to just get better. Yeah, man, I think student pastors, if you're listening to this and you are struggling with this idea of leading leaders or leading people who are potentially really effective leaders, or you might even look at them and say, man, they're a better leader than me. I think the advice to be you that Jason started off with is massive. And also having the confidence to say to that person, Hey, will you help me be a better leader? They will not see that as, Oh, this person isn't fit for their job. They'll see this as this person really wants to be yeah. effective. Yeah. That is a, and I, I think that's kind of the thing that, that trips people up in this conversation is we, right. especially young, I don't want to come across as I am unfit for this role or I don't quote have what it takes, but asking for help from these people, man, they want you to succeed. And that actually shows them a lot of confidence and humility together. They're going to help you. They, yeah. they want that for you. It's not a such unfit kind of situation, but yeah. we fall into that trap. Well, and when you ask the question, they feel like they're part of the solution. They feel like they're a part yeah, of right. what, what is going on. So their, their ownership and the buy-in, even it's multiplied and amplified. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what are some of the challenges of leading a team? <laughs> You've been leading teams for a long time. Uh, there are, there are many, I'm sure. What float to the top? Oh man. I, I mean, recently I think the overarching principle is how do you lead with certainty in times of uncertainty? Gosh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. and I think we're all going, how in the world are we doing this? Because we don't have it all figured out. We don't have all the answers, right? So golly, I mean, I think sometimes, again, you you walk with humbled confidence in, in saying, okay, we're going to lead out of the mission, the vision, and the culture, right? Because all that's going to drive strategy. It's going to drive how we engage, how we interact, how we're reaching and discipling. And if, if we can do that, and we're okay with holding a lot of things loosely, saying, you know what? We know we want to make disciples. How do we do that right now? And again, kind of go back to the talking point just a few seconds ago asking people to be a part of the process, you know, yeah. um, I think is a big thing. Um, misplaced ego. If we're talking about leaders, every single one of us have an ego, myself included. Um, when it's healthy, it's good. It's great. God gave me uh, the ability to think a certain way and to, to act a certain way. But man, when I'm op operating out of my flesh, it's bad. It's mm -hmm. bad. And so I think we've got to have great self-awareness on how to curb ego when other people who are great leaders in the room are thinking at a high, you know, uh, a high capacity. I, I often tell our staff this, and I tell our student leaders this. I learned this when uh, at my former former church, but the brightest lights don't need a spotlight. So don't always try to stand out. Just serve and do your part. Do your role. And I'm always reminded of Philippians 2, the, the mindset and the attitude of Jesus. 
where he talked about thinking of others, humbling yourself, serving and sacrificing. And we see that Jesus even to the point of death on the cross. And I think if, if we say, what, what are some of the challenges is we don't know how to lead with confidence, but we also don't know how to combat and work with egos. But again, that humbled confidence to be able to say, not what can I get out of this person, but how can I serve and bless and equip this person? I think that's the angle and that's the mindset. And then lastly, I think the challenge is when you're dealing with, you could have a team of a hundred leaders, 10 leaders, two leaders, doesn't matter, but you got to have everybody on the same page. You don't want leaders and, and volunteers speaking different language, terminology, locations, times, etc. So make sure everyone's on the same page. And when you do that, again, you want their buy-in. So yeah. give it uh, and create room for healthy discussion, tension, and best practices and ideas um, when it comes to being on the same page. And I think when you allow for the conversation of people who are leaders uh, to take place and allow them to speak into things. So Again, I go back to, hey, if if we're going to be on the same page, here's what we're going to do, when we're going to do it. Hey, how can you help us shape this in a specific way, get their buy-in, and then we come up with a plan. you got to make sure you over-communicate it abundantly to all of your people so that we're all marching in the same direction. What kind of... Uh... Do you have a regular rhythm that you guys use at Preston Wood to give people an opportunity to speak in, to give other leaders an opportunity to speak in? So we've got two main trainings that we do. Um, you were a part of that just a couple of years ago at, at our summit. Um, and so there's a lot of like download information to our leaders in that yeah. time to equip them. But there's a lot of follow up and feedback that we get post those trainings um, and it's also part of our, our weekly rhythm and, and an expectation for us and our staff that we're meeting with leaders for coffee, for breakfast, lunch, et cetera, uh, that we're texting, calling, checking in on our leaders frequently. And that small equipping piece that you, you train your staff to do, or maybe you just put in your quiver of tools is again, ask each leader the, the question, how can I better serve you or equip you so that you can run to the fullest extent to the ministry God has called you to do. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's really kind of a, you look at those key training moments, springboard off of that, but that week to week, that day to day interaction with your leaders, don't just wait till Sunday morning to see them and put yeah. your arm around them and, and smile and high five them. You, you got to follow up. And I think a lot of relational time in between. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's the cake right there. Sunday should be the, the cherry on top. Yeah. The cake is that relationship you have with leaders, you know, through the course of the week. Now, you may have so many leaders that you can't reach out to every single one. I mean, I know in our context, I do not personally reach out to every single leader, but I try to make it a habit to reach out to some leaders every week and try to make that frequent and regular. Yeah, man, you said something, just a quick statement a little bit ago, but I want to make sure and highlight this because I think it changes the conversation or changes the mindset for a lot of people when we talk about volunteer and leading volunteers and you said, it's not about what we get out of them, but about how we equip them and prepare them to fulfill the calling that God's placed on their life. And I think that again, changes the mindset. If that little shift happens, this isn't about me doing my job through volunteers. It's about equipping people to do what God's called them to do. Ephesians four. 
man, yeah, exactly. Like that's what we're supposed to do. Right. But that is, I think there are many who look at student ministry, they plan it out. They say, I need these people to do these jobs so that I can fulfill what I'm trying to do. And if we can change that conversation, man, it would be so helpful. Now, at the same time, I think there are cases where certainly those things align, where what God has placed in your heart, you can equip people to do that also matches up with the calling that God is placing on them. So I'm not saying that those two things are completely separate all the time. Both can coexist for sure. Yeah. But one mindset is you are a gear in my system. And the other mindset is let's do this together. And that that's, that's really different. Absolutely. Man, how do you lead when there are high caliber leaders in the room? You mentioned just a little bit ago, we've kind of talked around this, but I know you're setting a little bit. Um, and certainly, the, you know, your context is different from a lot of people's contexts. But I think that there are, this has been true for every church that I've served in. There have been some leaders in the room who are, they have their own small business. They do, they do it all themselves, or they're a CEO of a company. When I served at a church in Arkansas, um, there was a CEO of like a fortune 500 company sitting in the room. And that was a situation that was constantly intimidating. And, but it was, it was because I knew I was like, okay, this guy is a better leader than me without a question, without a doubt. So as you have high caliber leaders in the room, what's the approach that you take? How do you lead in that? Cause it's very different than leading a group of teenagers. It's very different than gathering a bunch of college students together and leading them. How do you lead high caliber people? Walk in with curiosity and That's offer right. encouragement wherever you can. Um, if you can quick, that self-awareness thing is so huge here. If you, if you recognize that situation and the environment you're in, man, listen and observe. I mean, ask more questions than you are making statements and be sure like whenever that encouragement piece, give honor where honor is due. If you're recognizing that there's a, a high caliber leader doing some incredible work, be specific and speak up. You're not brown, brown nosing and you're not trying to suck up or trying to gain favor in a, in a, you know, false way. I think if your motive is pure to say, Hey, I, this person deserves the honor and I want to make sure that we honor them. That's huge. And that's, that gives you great credibility and rapport. Um, I think in that setting too, you often fo follow through with courage, confidence, and clarity. Um, so you know, if, if given the opportunity to speak or speak into something, or just, again, when people ask you questions, be willing to attack, uh, the difficulties with confidence and, and drive everything again, back through the mission, vision, and the culture, uh, of your organization or your, your environment. Um, yeah. cause again, it just drives clarity. Um, and here's, here's the thing I think is almost hidden in a room like that with leaders. I know I do this almost to a fault. So I apologize. Uh, and again, <laughs> if I'm operating in sin, I, I know that I am, but I, I watch body language leaders, like body language, it speaks volumes. And I can't tell you hmm. a leader wants to look at another leader and say, even just by how you posture yourself, are you confident? Um, are, are you courageous? Are you someone that I want to get in the trenches with? Are you someone that I want to listen to? 
and you can be very off-putting with facial expressions by just how your your natural face hangs are you smiling are you growling are your arms crossed are you slouching are you sitting up um even the materials you have with you with your body you know it, it kind of communicates a lot am i prepared and yeah. to be engaged with the people in this room or am i on my own agenda i think um for for our married folks out there uh this is a freebie but if you're at dinner with your spouse put your phone away Right. Nothing, nothing says you're less important to me than having your phone right in front of you and constantly checking it when you're on a date. Well, it's the same kind of thing when you're in a, lead, a room of leaders. They yeah. want to know that you care, that you want to listen, that you want to learn and that that time is important to you. I, I love uh, Horst Schultz. He's the co-founder and former president of Ritz Colton. Yeah. Um, he had an amazing book called Excellent Wins, and he talks about how to be a great leader. He says, understand the vision commit and communicate it, get started and do it, maintain focus, energize, and then repeat. And so again, in a, in a setting, in an environment where you've got leaders, walk in, ask questions, encourage, honor, lead courageously, lead with confidence, lead with clarity, be very mindful of how you're communicating, even non-verbally, and then just some of those excellent wins and saying, if we're going to do this, let's do it with excellence. And here's how we can do it and respond and move forward. Man, you rattled off the list from Horst. Uh, I, I would love if you, it was impressive. You rattled off the whole list, but in case people need it again, can you, uh, can you give those things one more time? So the book is excellent wins and it's understand the vision, commit to communicate it, get started and actually do it maintain focus, energize and repeat. Where do you think most people drop out of that process? Did he have an opinion or do you have an opinion on where you maybe for yourself, where you most, where you feel the tension most to drop out of that process? I I, honestly, I think it's at the very beginning. Sometimes Hmm. you're either not casting the proper vision or you're casting the right vision poorly. Hmm. And I think great leaders are compelled by passionate people. And so if if I'm saying, hey, let's do this, let's get on board and let's go accomplish amazing, excellent ministry together, you've got to be winsome. You can't come in as like an Eeyore and say, all right, guys, well, let's just, um, you know, go make disciples today and we're going to do really great things. Yeah. Uh, hello. God said, love him with your mind, your your soul, your emotions, all that you are. Drive that emotional element, motivate people, spur people on and and cast the right vision and cast it the right way. I think from there, that's the biggest hurdle because I think you know how to communicate. You you can come up with plan and strategy based on the vision. Now, here's another trip I think I've seen in younger leadership and generation. They've got these amazing ideas. God bless them. I love it. It's like you're fresh out of college seminary or you've got a couple years under your belt and you've got some tremendous thoughts. Yeah. You got them on paper, but you don't know how to form them in a way and then to hit that magical red button to say, go. Yeah. And sometimes that just takes some confidence and some nudging, but get started and actually do it. Yeah. Again, we, you can have all the ideas in the world and you can dream and have all these goals, but you actually got to start doing it. And then when you do it, be disciplined and make sure that you're maintaining that focus as he talks about. And, and for us as, as believers, Man, 
again, I go back to the very first thing I said, you have to operate out of that overflow of your relationship with Jesus. And that is your, your soul, your mind and your body. How are you feeding your soul? How are you taking care of your, your mental health? And how are you taking care of your body physically? Are you sleeping enough? I mean, you got to steward sleep uh, to maintain focus, especially if you're leading leaders, you've got to yeah. be, you got to be thinking uh, at a high level. Yeah, man, that is good stuff. Uh, Jason, thank you for taking the time out of your day to pour into a bunch of student pastors through this and to pour into to us as well. We uh, appreciate your friendship. Appreciate you being on the podcast. Hey, thank you for asking me to be a part of this. It's, it's humbling uh, and an uh, honor to be a part. Thank you again. Man, absolutely. Hey, producer Nathan and I will be right back. You know, if you want to spend more time around leaders, uh, Youth Ministry Booster is a great opportunity for you to be around leaders consistently who are also youth ministry uh, leaders in their own right. So uh, you can join one of the network of youth pastors that we have. Nathan, what are you walking away with today from Jason's Jason's podcast? Yeah, I thought that was a great conversation. Really walking away with two big things that he talked about. The first one was was be yourself. I really think that's crucial when you're leading, especially you're leading a group of other leaders, whether that's volunteers, like you talked about, Ben, whether or not you know you may have someone in the room that is a high caliber leader. Wherever your volunteers are at along in their own leadership journey, I think you just got to be yourself. And then the other one that he talked about was being willing to ask for ask for help or just ask them. I don't think they don't want you to tell them how to like be a leader, but they need that clear vision. They want to know like, Hey, here's the, where we're going to, here's what we're shooting after. And, you know, and also to give them the freedom to, to then be able to lead out that through their own leadership style, but we've got to give them the guidelines and the road and stuff to follow. So I think that to me is always crucial. Uh, whenever you're leading a, a group of leaders, I've been in that same situation and no one likes to be micromanaged, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I think the having that humbleness to just say, hey, I don't know it all. I'm looking to be like, hey, how can I be a better leader? But then here's where we're going and casting that vision together as well. So, man, I wanted to ask you a different take on this conversation because you've been in, in situations like this, but you've also because of the leadership environments you've been in from your roles with with camps now mm -hmm. as a camp director at the YMCA when, you know, way back, if we go way, way back, back when into the That's producer right. Nathan story, you have, you've been in some situations consistently where you are leading younger leaders as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are some, and I was thinking about this as we were talking with Jason that I wanted to get your take on this. What's an approach that you took when the, when predominantly the people that you're leading are younger or newer leaders because that would have that would have been in a mm -hmm. lot of places where you've landed in leadership. Yeah, for sure. One of the biggest approaches I took, especially in our camp environment, is to let them to give them the freedom to lead in their area. So like when I was directing camp, like I had people, the people under me on my leadership team were our production director, our site director, our rec director, assistant director, you know, the people kind of each, each little area, each, well, not little big areas of camp had yeah. a person to do. And then I helped manage from the, from the top down and work with adults and those kind of things is I gave them the freedom to, to lead out. So I was a production director first at, at camp and then I stepped into director. So my first year directing, like my production director that year knew had been what we call a PD. And so I immediately told him, I was like, I don't want to like, I'm not going to come in here and tell you how to do your job. I'm going to 
if you want advice or questions then feel free to ask because like i you know i'm really good with tech and a lot of that stuff yeah um, but like you know but i gave them the freedom to lead out in that but i also told my whole leadership team of i'm going to give you the freedom to lead out but know that i also am going to call us up to an a really high excellent level of camp so i'm going to set that bar really high so know that too that whenever i come to you and say hey here's an area where we need to get better then we need to work on that and get better. So like in the production world, if I had to come to them and be like, hey, our person on pro presenter is just really slow on those lyrics. We've got to speed them up. <laughs> then I always that <laughs> always an issue, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but you know, just as, as one example, and then I let them take care of having that conversation. And then, you know, they can come mm. back to me and be like, Hey, I had that conversation. They now understand it better. They're going to, we think they're going to be good. We're going to try it out. Or they may come back to me and be like, they might not be able to do it. And you know what? I want that person to be able to serve, but pro is probably not the place for them. So we're going to find somewhere else if they can, but it's yeah. given your leaders the chance to lead and have that freedom, but also not being afraid of stepping in when needed to, to, to call them up, you know, and yeah. say, Hey, here's what we're going to do. And then you have to kind of evaluate that. I also would like to ask, I'd be like, Hey, how did you think this went? And I give them the first chance to say, mm-hmm. Hey, here's where, here's what went well. Here's where I want to improve. Cause nine times out of 10, they're going to say all the th- same things that I want to say that I'm like, cool, this person is on it and they're working through a plan. Sometimes they may be like, man, that was the greatest thing ever. And I'm like, okay, well, we need to work on re- recast what that vision is for what excellence looks like. Yeah. But I think that's a big one is giving them that freedom. I love that, that, that relationship between empowerment and accountability that mm-hmm. you're leading them through and displaying for them. Super important, man. I, yeah. I wanted to get your take on that as I was thinking about that, as we were talking, one of the things that Jason said that really stuck out to me was walking in with curiosity Mm-hmm. Uh, just the way that he phrased that, walking into that room of leaders with curiosity and, and cause that sets your mind in a place that says, okay, I'm going to learn something if I'm watchful Yeah, and I'm going to ask the questions, I'm going to be curious about how they lead. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's specifically in the, in the realm of, man, I'm walking into a room where there are people that are better leaders than me. And even in us, as we've distinguished that, like, quote, people that are better leaders than me, it can be a little deceiving because I think great leaders learn leadership from everybody. Yeah. Even people that they would, that maybe don't have as much leadership experience, they can still learn from those people. Absolutely. Um, so I, I know even in talking about it this way, it's a little misleading, but that curiosity of walking into any room and saying, okay, what can I learn today? Yeah. Not just what can I lead today, but what can I learn today is an important aspect of leadership. Um, And then I I mentioned it during the podcast, but the the other one that really that really speaks volumes, I think, is instead of having the what can I get out of this person Mm -hmm. or how can I changing that mindset into how can I equip and prepare them to follow God's call in their life? I mean, that is a that is a massive mindset shift. That's so important. Last piece of encouragement I think I would have for our listeners is whenever you're leading in a in an environment where there are people who are older than you, maybe more experienced in leadership, is this is something I tell a lot of our camp staff because a lot of them are leading. You know, they're dealing with group leaders who are sometimes older than them, and that's that. You've got to remember. I, I found I remember my first summer directing. I found the group leaders a lot more graceful than I was. Exp- I don't remember if somebody said it or the thought hit me, but. We got to remember that they've been there too. They remember what it was like to be the new leader in the room leading other people. And so to remember that, I think there's a level of grace that comes with that. And so don't try not to be as intimidated. And then if it comes from that heart, just like you were saying, that place of caring, 
for them and showing them that, then they're going to be, I think, very gracious and help you along the leadership journey as well. They don't expect you. I don't look at a young leader and expect them to have it all figured out because I'm like, man, I remember what I was like when that, I was that age. A lot of times I look at them and be like, man, they're they're further ahead than I was. Like, good for yeah. them, you know. So, yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate your input on that so much. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast, everybody. Leave a rating and review. Let us know what you think. Put a couple topics in there that you would love for us to cover. And this has been another episode of the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. We'll see you next time, everybody. <laughs>